Welcome to another episode of 115 Miles. If you think we've ever had the conversations that people don't want to have, then wait until you listen to this episode today. I start off with the question, what triggers you or what annoys you in the world today? And it sends us off down a path talking about social media, the impact on the children. We end up talking about porn and the way that children interact with it and what that means. Uh, and seriously, we, we are teetering on the edge of going over the top when it comes to difficult conversations in this episode. And that is something that we are immensely proud of. I really, really hope that you can uh, feel the awkwardness through some of this conversation because that's what we're here to do. Have the conversations that other people aren't having. If you haven't yet left us a review, please make sure that you do so and you can join the community at 115 miles pod on instagram now get yourself into this episode and see what you think this is 115 miles with josh connolly and hassan kaya Living exactly 115 miles apart, our lives could not have been more different growing up, yet we find ourselves today as really good friends with many similar outlooks and perspectives. Join us on our podcast as we take a topical dive into life, work, culture and everything in between. Hass, I'm going to come straight in today. I've got a slightly different question to ask you uh, by way of starting the show. What currently in your life in your atmosphere triggers or annoys you the most or what few things there might be a few things but what's the first thing that pops in your head oh um what triggers me is uh in insincere people on social media like i feel like there's ulterior motives there's a lot of um there's a lot of uh Fakery, we've talked about it before, but there's definitely a lot of uh, grand gesturing that triggers me. Um, also, there's a personal trigger. I'm, I'm triggering myself, if you like, and I think I've talked about this before, but I haven't quite got the balance of work right at the moment. So I get annoyed at myself. So I'm triggering myself. Those are the two things I would say. How did it go, by the way? Because last on the show last, last week or two weeks ago when we last recorded, uh, you you were what what wonderful weekend what, what was it? wind down wonderful weekend wind down yeah well the weekend wound down but the planned holiday that I had for Monday didn't quite go to plan unfortunately so that was a bit frustrating and that definitely triggered me on the Monday morning um, as my workmates will 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 testify however I realised that what was really important was that you know in losing Monday I needed to find another day so I was able to. Um, Sort that out on the Thursday. It's good. What do you think drives the, our, our, our obsession with work and the belief that if we're not working, we're somehow letting people down or letting ourselves down? Or what do you think drives that? I mean, I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's a sort of a one size fits all. You know, different mm. people have different needs. Um, for some people, it's, it's survival. You know, people have to work certain number of hours, number of jobs just to keep things flowing. And then I think um, for others, it's uh, mission driven, you know, like uh, they just feel like that this is what they they have to be doing. So they put loads of hours mm -hmm. into it. Um, 
some of them are chasing a dream. So they think, you know, I put the hours in and I'll get like the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And then um, for others, uh, it is probably a little bit of all of those, if I'm honest. And I'm probably Mm. in that last one. What is it for you? Uh, The last one probably. Yeah, probably a bit mission driven, um, a bit necessity. Because, you know, when you're running your own business and it's a particularly a service business in a in a time like we're in now, there's um, some necessity. Um, and there's probably just me chasing something as well. Like, if I'm really honest, I'd love to say it was just mission driven and, and that stuff, but I'm, I'm chasing something. I'm ambitious and I think there's something, you know, connected to that as well. Yeah, there's probably a lot in that. I think it's, it's uh, way more the last one for me, as in chasing something. Uh, uh, by way of not being very comfortable in myself so I feel like I, you know if I'm busy and I can achieve and I can get accolades or I can do stuff then I'll feel good about myself easier than I do just being present with myself I think there's a lot in that wow I mean do you still do you acknowledge that that's still present that 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 there's always an element of wanting to kind of keep achieving like seeking a peak that will never come yeah, 100%. I I just think that I trick and deceive myself around it in different ways. I do it with healing, by the way. I, you know, talk about the healing journey. You can get wrapped up in that. You're always doing the work, always trying to heal, get better, find out more about myself. Yeah, so much of that is driven by my inability to just be present with myself. Yeah. yeah? I think we've talked a lot about this, uh, you know, and it always comes up because it's such a big, uh, it's such a big driver in my life. But as a, you know, and my kids are the the most important thing to me in my life. So that's why I always use it as a, as a good sort of measuring stick of where I'm at with it. But I still find it hard to sit and be present with my kids and just do what they want to do. Whether it's, sit and play with their doll's house or whatever it is, I find that difficult. Yeah. I um, I definitely, it, you know, I definitely find it difficult, even with an extra day here or there on top of a weekend. Even then I find it really difficult, even though it's kind of a run, right? But I really only truly relax, um, being really honest, when I'm on a longer holiday because it takes me... Yeah. Uh, definitely a t- couple of days to transition and then I'm in a sort of a space where I'm not really caring about stuff and I'm really free and just you know having fun but it definitely takes me a few days to get to that space so if it's if it's only a few days rest um it's it's harder that said you know the last four days that I had which was you know um the weekend plus a couple of extra days was um was much easier you know I just just I just you know I relaxed and and I think the difference for me is on Monday I felt like I didn't have a choice so I was resenting having to come back in and do work whereas on the other days even though I had to dip into bits and pieces it was through choice and I think choice makes all the difference if you feel like you've got no choice it's really suffocating if you feel like you've got choice it's a different perspective and I found that that was really helpful I was talking with somebody earlier, actually, and I was talking about how being busy is fine. Like being busy is cool if you love what you're doing. But being busy with resentment is one of the worst things, one of the worst experiences going, right? Being busy and feeling like you you shouldn't be or you don't want to be is when it's, you know, debilitating. And 
there's a lot of people who are in that space. You know, there's no choice. There's no choice for a lot of people. You know, like, um, you know, people are surviving, especially now, especially in the last twelve months. You know, if you know, you know, people who were actors or in the arts, um, you know, or in hospitality, uh, have had to stop doing what they love because I imagine a lot of people because there is no industry for them and so they've had to start doing things that they're not trained for they're not they don't have skills for it's um you know it might be driving it might be delivering parcels it may be um working in an environment they just don't have the skills for and it's hard for people like that because it's like it almost devalues not to say that those jobs are, uh, are um anything lower than what they were doing but it's just not what they chose and so suddenly they're having to kind of do something that that doesn't resonate for them and it's really hard you know so um Mm. you can't always be in a space where you're doing what you love Mm. no here here and that's totally not a conversation that i was trying to set up with the trigger conversation so let's go back a minute just to the social media thing uh what's annoying you about people on social media has can I tell you something that really annoys me on social media at the moment? Yeah. And I'll just be up front with it, right? And I'll say what I think and then I'll and then I'll acknowledge that I, I'm being harsh. But I hate reels. Reels. You know where people do fully grown adults doing yep. bizarre dances and then they the one that everyone's doing at the moment is where they like sort of do this weird shake and then point. You know where they go and then they point and a word turns up and then another word turns up and then they sort of speed up and loads of words turns up or they it annoys me so much mate I know that's my stuff the fact that it annoys me because I should just but listen we say that things are weird that are alien to us or that we you know that we can't do each to their own and power to everyone doing it because I know a lot of people enjoy doing it and it's great for them but it it I get annoyed watching them has they annoy me. <laughs> and they're <laughs> everywhere. Um, is it just the adults doing it? Like, I imagine you don't really have a problem with a 14-year-old kid doing it and, like, having fun because it's viral and they're sharing it. It's just when the adult's getting on the action. That's when it's like, come on, man. Right? Yeah, I just... it's I, like, Listen, I love that everyone's creative. I create loads of content, yeah. And I think it's great that people put themselves out there and power to anyone that does it. Yeah. And when they like, this is my shit. It's a, you know, it's my problem that I find adults doing it annoying. Right. It's my problem. But I just, and you know, when the people do the lip syncing ones as well, (laughs) and I've never seen anyone nail it and get it anywhere near lip synced. And that annoys me even more. (laughs) Listen, right. By the way, let me just, Talk about the fact that I don't even like taking a picture of myself, right? You don't see me very often posting a picture of myself because I'm, uh, I feel I'm very self-conscious in that way. Yeah, I'm all right talking about stuff and doing this kind of stuff, but uh, I'm self-conscious. So let me just really highlight it, but they fucking annoy me, man. You are, you you don't take pictures of yourself because you're too busy taking pictures of um crushed avocado on toast that's your that's your dream isn't it <laughs> you're missing it that's why you're so angry that's why you're having to go at these people on the reels man because you're like well oh, i just want to be taking pictures of avocado on toast with a flat white <laughs> oh my dream 
Well, soon that'll oh, come I used soon. To do that a lot. I, know I used you did. to do that a lot. I know you did. That was you. Uh, com- that was you compensating, isn't it, for the fact that you don't want to, you know, dance on screen. Um, uh, yeah, no, it was also me being a bit of a knob and sort of trying to like be look at me. I'm having avocado on toast. No, it's not. It's documenting. I think there's something interesting about documenting. I think people are using some people are using it as a as a way to project right and i think a lot of the thing with this real stuff is because you and i really do a lot of work around intuition and sort of seeing people we can tell when people are faking stuff like we just can call it so a lot of this people a lot of these people like might post a reel of them smiling and all this sort of stuff but really you can see behind it it's like something's going on there they're not actually authentically representing yeah, no, themselves. there's truth in that. They're projecting. I mean, I do want to call something out. I, it, I, the, the, the avocado on toast and latte, <laughs> there's a certain amount of documentation in it when I used to put a picture of it on my story, but I weren't putting pictures of bacon sandwiches on there, was I? True. You should have. So, that would have been fun. Well, then, then I could say I'm documenting, yeah, because I'm posting pictures of everything. But I it was only ever the avocado the... toast flat white, right? Exactly. Yeah. What exactly? Yeah, true. So, so... So yeah, it's the same as uh, it's the same as like any any time I have a healthy when you have healthy food, I think I might post a picture of it. Yeah, it, that. But I ain't doing it when I have anything else. But by the way, while we're on it, I'm exercising my inner Scot today, my inner Scotsman with my Iron Brew. Do you have some Scot uh, Scots blood? Or oh, I thought it was all. No. I thought it was Irish, right? Yes, Irish. Yeah, Irish. Yeah, my stepdad's Scottish, so I've kind of grown up around. You know, there was a picture of William Wallace in the downstairs toilet when I was a kid. <laughs> Brilliant. William Wallace. So I've grown up on, on Scottish history, yeah. And, and, anyway. Scot- and Scottish uh, tea, Iron Brew. I, do you like Iron Brew? I used to when I drank it. I haven't drank it in probably about 20 years. I might have to go and grab a can. You used to be able to take the cans back in Scotland and get like 20p for them or something. Did you? I don't know, I might have made that up, but I think it's true. So I've told you who annoys me online, and I'm going to get a bit stick for that, because a lot of people that post reels will be thinking that I'm being horrible to them. Well, you're being judgy, you're you're judging them. I am being judgy, yeah, but but, but let me just finish by saying power to them for doing it, fair play. Just because it annoys me, right? That's not their problem. It's not really about you, is it? It's what makes them happy. Exactly that. Which, which, by the way, we're going to come back to that statement. That's okay. what people annoy you on social media. Tell me. Uh, I the the people that really annoy me are well. There's two kinds, right? There's the ones that um that project something like that, like they're trying to um be worthy, if you like. Like they're, they're, there's a worthy cause, and um, but ultimately behind it all, they're just you know, they're running commercial interests, like, you know, company trying to sell this stuff or whatever. I think that really, that really bugs me out. And, um, but the other thing that I really dislike as somebody that's spent a long time honing my craft um, in, 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 in like my career and then spent, a you know, I've trained as a coach and I've worked a long time as a coach and worked with lots of, you know, people it's like where when people come up on social media and they sort they project like they are an expert whereas they don't really seem to have the experience to back it up and so mm. when they come out and kind of come out with this stuff that is 
virtuous and or signaling uh, about a p- way, being a particular way. And they sort of explore their background and you think, okay, well, where's that coming from? Like, what, like, you know, like, like seemingly you only, you know, you only started what you're doing a year ago. And I'm not to, it's not to say that people can't get masses of experience within a year, but I just think what I don't like about it is the fakery because the way that they communicate is that they've been doing this a long time. There's a lot of depth. There's a lot of, you know, learning behind what they do, but actually there, there is, it just feels a bit like it's what do they call it snake oil salesman you know there's just a little bit of insincerity going on there do you think because social media now has allowed anybody to get a personal brand and i'm not digging out personal brands because obviously i kind of have one yeah um but do you think that the fact that you can that anybody can now create a personal brand takes away a lot of authenticity because you can really sort of hone in on who and what you are when you're on social media and there's listen and i'm as guilty as the next probably i'd imagine um but there's so like so much just virtue signaling in on signaling now on social media in the way that we talk about everything like i just don't think that you see the real version of anyone anymore on there yeah i think i think you're right i don't i i think everyone is Social media is very much um, about wanting to be seen in a particular way. Mm. And uh, wanting to be seen like you eat avocado and toast with a latte all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or wanting to be seen like you come up with, yeah, like wanting to be seen like you come up with quotes all the time, like you walk around and just, they're just, you know, like bits of wisdom just (laughs) just pop in. This is what I'm trying to do, right? You know, like um, just. That's it, man. Like, we all do that. Like, it's, you know, I get it. But I think there's sort of us just trying to figure out the voice. And I think you've done an incredible job of, you know, I was just talking to someone, you know, our mate uh, John in Sydney today, right? And I was just talking to him and he was mentioning how, you know, authentic your content comes across as. And I think that's true. Like, you know, you might do the odd um, projected, uh, you know, hipster breakfast, but... But what you do, what you speak about, you know, when you come online, when you chat, when we chat, it's all authentic. Like when you're feeling like you want a rant, you don't sugarcoat it. Like it just comes out. Uh, or if you want to just have a go at something or if you want to talk deep about something or if you want to have a joke, you know, it's all authentic. And that's what I like about what we do here. Um, and so we're just trying to continue to do that voice. I think. A lo- and so a lot of people are just trying to figure out like, OK, well, what what? What am I? Am I somebody that just posts some photos? Am I somebody that does something a bit more? That's fine. It's just the ones that have gone a bit further and almost by design have created this uh, persona. Now, just my only caveat is that you might feel something internally as in purpose and mission that is not necessarily connected to what you've done in the past. So actually almost in contradiction to what I said, that you might have felt it for a long time that you were born to support people but you didn't really have the backing um mm. for for your for your background but then you so then it becomes a almost a self-fulfilling prophecy so if you say tomorrow right or today i'm a coach now and so i'm just going to help people be their best selves and you start to do that then who am i to call that out because you believe it, it's your calling it's your mission and purpose so and if you feel it that's the most important thing i think given how long you and I have been doing this, I think we can spot those people that 
had a natural calling and just started doing it. We know a few people like that, right? And then you have the people who see it as an opportunity, are being opportunistic. And mm. everyone is just trying to get by. I get that. But I just, I feel like when you're, when you're doing certain kinds of work where you get a platform and then you can start to influence people, if it's, if it's insincere uh, or the advice isn't solid on solid ground, then I have a bit of a problem with that. Yeah, yeah. And I think, like, to come back, and I agree with what you've said, and to come back to, like, the, 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 the quotes that I post as well, right? It'd be very easy for me to sit on here and say, um, you know, I, so one narrative that I've probably told myself in the past is I don't like people who just post loads of pictures of themselves. Like, why would you post loads of pictures of yourself, right? And that comes from the fact that I can't, I'm not very good at posting pictures of myself because I'm too, so like, I can't take a picture of myself and think, that looks good, I'm going to post it, right? The, the only time you'll really ever see me do that is if somebody, you know, if I'm posting a picture in a T-shirt that somebody sent me or something like that, right? Because I know I've got to do it. But I I, I've, I, just can't take a picture of myself in that way. I mean, I used to force myself to do it, but now that I do the quotes, I don't. But it'd be very easy for me to go along the narrative of saying um, people that just do that, just post pictures because they just want everyone to validate that they look all right or that they look good is is fine. But... I can tell you that there's times when I think of a nice quote to post because I'm looking for a pang myself, yeah? Hmm. So it's, I'm not saying the post is wrong or inauthentic, but I've posted it and then because I want to watch everyone like it and tell me how amazing it is. So it's the same thing. It's the same thing. And I think that, you know, so that happens a lot on social media and we sort of trick and deceive ourselves. Um, and it's happening, look, in the mental health space, it happens a lot. You know, like people will post pictures of themselves and they're like deeply self-conscious but looking for that for that pang in the same way as I do from the quotes so yeah I think it happens everywhere but one of the reasons I brought up the one of the reasons I started with the question of like what triggers you and what's coming up is because I've been doing a lot of stuff around being when people are triggered by stuff so it's children alcoholics week last week wasn't it and Recently, a lot of people, a lot of people affected by their parents drinking are getting annoyed with, are being triggered by parents that are posting jokes about getting the kids to bed a little bit early so they can have a drink, right? Mm. Now, there's a push uh, from sort of like certain aspects, certain areas of that space for us to go after them. Because if they understood what we went through, then they wouldn't post them, quote unquote, yeah? Um, and I disagree with that. I think they should be allowed, able to post them. Um, what do you, what do you think about that? What do, what do you think about it? Do you think parents that are posting it should, that should think, hang on a minute, there's children affected by their parents drinking. I shouldn't post this. Um, no, no. Cause I think, I think otherwise you get into this, you get into this, um, place of by not speaking about it it pretends it's not there right so because you know the fact is there are people that are triggered because of what they've gone through and hopefully they have the support mechanisms around them to you know help them through it either through them getting it themselves or others around them um you know and i'm careful how i use the words harmless fun because we've talked a lot about you know um you know like 
Yeah, well, we're going into grey area yeah, here, which yeah, is important. Yeah, because yeah. you know we've said that it's under no circumstances is say it acceptable to have like a harmless joke about race because you and I strongly believe that. So I can sort of understand where it's coming from, but I just I just feel that it would be, you know, there is there is a connection with. Uh, for a lot of people, that alcohol isn't a tipper for them, right? They can have a drink, they can unwind. Part of it is like the signal from one part of the day to the other. Some of it's a joke because you go like, "Oh, I need a drink." It's it's like it's a colloquialism. It's like a it's like mm. you know, it's a cultural thing. So I don't think you can suddenly start going after people on social media because it's not actually. I don't think it's projected at anyone. Right? It's just more about me and what I'm going for as opposed to let me go and target that person. Yeah, and, and most of it is harmless fun. Yeah. In the same way, by the way, if I joke about eating a whole tub of ice cream, I'm not trying to trigger somebody who has a binge eating problem. Yeah. Yeah? When I say, if I joke about wanting to lose some weight or overtraining because I'm desperate to lose some weight, I'm not trying to trigger somebody who has an eating disorder. But there will be people that are triggered by what I say with those things. And I do think that, let me, do you think you're woke, Hass? Hass, are you woke? I'm woker than some, not as woke as others. Oh, I, I don't know whether I would describe myself as being woke. It depends what you mean by it. But I do worry a little bit that as we become aware of how everybody's impacted by the world in different ways and, and people are triggered and this people have levels of sensitivity and can get easily triggered by things. If we're coming from a place of like wounding, we think that the solution is to get them to stop triggering each other. You shouldn't say that. You shouldn't make jokes about parents drinking because you've got no idea about what it's like to grow up with an alcoholic parent. You shouldn't make jokes about overeating because you've got no idea what it's like to have a binge eating problem. You shouldn't make, like, I think that's the wrong route. But you there know, is a I, line. But there is a line. Um, Go on. I think there is a line. And I think there's also, like, there's a difference between, like, oh my God, I can't wait to get the kids to sleep so I can have a drink versus. I'm I'm gonna open a bottle and drink like an alcoholic parent tonight. Ha 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 ha. Mm. That's different. Yeah, yeah that's definitely yeah. like not acceptable, right? I think. What Whereas to say to to say I'm gonna open a bottle and drink like an alcoholic tonight? Like an alcoholic parent tonight. Um, because I I I think um there is something uh very sinister about kind of. The, the the use of the words you know alcoholism and parent there right so of course yeah, no one yeah, would yeah. ever do that but I think that's that's like a very much more specific whereas if you just say like I'm, I need to unwind I can't wait you know it's like a joke like at what point yeah. does it but it is a grey area because we're just very you know would I I wouldn't feel the same about a harmless racist joke you know so yeah. I don't know but racism is a crime isn't it at any level I can't like, you can't just be, like, a good racist. Yeah? You can't have a relationship with racism that's healthy. Whereas you can with alcohol. And you can joke about have it getting a little bit out of control. The same way that you can with food. The same way that you can with yeah. uh, exercise. 
Yeah. 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 No, so, I agree. So there's no level of racism that's 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 funny. Whereas, I believe you can have a healthy relationship with alcohol. Yeah. And so, when something like racism, which is is and obviously should be a crime at any level, then that's where you draw the line. Because I'm a big believer in everybody has the right to be triggered by something and they should feel supported when they when they kind of say that they feel triggered. But the support shouldn't be, let me go after the person that's triggered you. It should be, let me support you into understanding why you're triggered by this and help you to move through it, right? Because... I don't want to live in a state. I don't want to live in a, in a society where we've all got to be really, really careful about what we say. Do, do you know what I mean? I don't think we should live in a society where we're all got to be careful that we don't trigger somebody. Nobody, nobody wants to live like that. If you've grown up and never experienced what it's like to grow up in an out, like the devastating impacts of growing up in an alcoholic home. If I want to talk to you about that, It'd be nice if you had some compassion and you listened and understood my situation. But next time you go on holiday with your family and you have a bit too much to drink, I would hate for you the next morning to think that you can't make a joke about it because remember we heard Josh's story last year. I would like hate that. And we can't do like we can't we've got to be really careful that we don't. The, the wounded part of me would want you to b think about me on your holiday and what I went through. So don't make jokes about it. Do, do, Am mm. I making sense? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, just to kind of, I wanted to kind of pull something back to, you know, racism is against the law, but people um, people still do casual racism or implied racism without breaking the law, right? So it might be an inference to a, tic to a particular uh, prejudice or, a uh, you know, uh, or you know, some sort of kind of, you know, running joke that isn't quite on the boundaries of being something that you can get, you know, thrown in jail for, right? But it's still wrong. So I can understand, you know, I can understand um, the boundaries. And I, th you know, so I can understand that people be be, be trigger uh, triggered. But I agree with you that actually, I don't want to live in a place where we can't do that. But yeah. if I'm really honest, I don't talk to you about, I'm conscious of it, but not so that it gets in the way of our friendship. But I don't, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't go, oh, I was on a massive bender. And, and I, by the way, this is all about me and nothing about you, but I'll be like, oh, you know, whatever. Because there, there is in the back of my mind somewhere, it's like, I understand that you're not, you know, that's not your journey anymore. And, but that's all about me. Right. And I think. Yeah, I, but there's a level, there's a level of compassion there, right? There's a level of compassion there. Um, and. We're very close mates, so it can be, you know, it. our closeness as mates and my experience and stuff probably does become a little bit of your psyche because we have that close relationship in that way, right? Um, but I wouldn't, I, like, I would hate for you to think, oh, I've got better watch my tongue in what I say about alcohol. And let me just come back to the thing that you said about racism, there's no level of racism that is okay. It might not be a crime, but there's there's never, ever, ever, there is never, ever a way you can talk about racism and it be okay, right? I can go and have a, a, a pint down the pub and go a little bit over the top even with it, and it's all right. There's no harm to anybody, not harming myself, right? It, you know, if I still go to work and 
you know, if I have a healthy relationship with alcohol, still going to work doesn't is relevant really. But but if I have a healthy relationship with alcohol, I can have a drink and go over the top a little bit, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. I can't do the odd little racist joke here and be like, well, it's only, you know, it's only a little bit of racism. There's no level. There's mm-hmm. no level. As mm-hmm. soon as you go past naught, you, you, you've gone past naught, right? Mm-hmm. That, I think that's very clear. Mm-hmm. But when we're making jokes about things that most people have uh, healthy relationships with and haven't had real horrible, difficult experiences with, I hate nothing more than when I have to walk on eggshells around someone. I just won't. I just won't be around them, like I won't be around them unless they're my mate and they're going through a difficult time and I'm being compassionate. Da-da. But there's, you know, I I've met and know people in my life who, when I'm around them, I think I've got to be really careful here because I don't want to upset them if I say this. That's why, like, I literally <laughs> my my closest mates are the ones who can, you know, really sort of laugh at themselves no matter what. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, laugh I just at, I laugh at myself a lot. Well, you need to, don't you? Because you know, particularly um, when it comes to things like fantasy league and stuff like that, you know, that's what triggers just... me. You, you, you know that that gets on my nerves, and you keep sending me texts when I'm not doing so well on fantasy football, which is pretty much all season this season. So you, you've like triggered last, me three or four times. And last season, weekend. and last season, well, I did all right. Last you've season. ever done well on it. I did all right. Do you I know the best win. way to trigger you is when you've done really well and you text me about something and I just text back saying cute. <laughs> <Yeah>. Cute. Cute. <laughs> That's so good. Um, yeah. I was going to ask you something actually um, and it might it might swerve you off, off track for a minute but um, one of the things that I am, it's about social media and obviously we're talking a lot previously uh, or a few moments ago about kind of, you know, people projecting and um, yeah, if I'm honest, I'm very worried about the impact of all of this uh, projecting and fakery on the impact on, on, on children. My children, very mm. close to home, but, you know, children in general. And people like Gary Vaynerchuk say, you know, if, if, if say, a, genera- a Generation X or a millennial parent, you know, maybe more X than a millennial is saying, hey, listen, if we're at the dinner table, put your phones down. And Gary Vaynerchuk will say, "Well, no, fuck it. Like they are. This is what happens now. This is they. This is them communicating." And he kind of makes you feel like almost old-fashioned because we've got we're, we're trying to impose Generation X values on Z and millennials, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not healthy, is it? It's, it's like I don't care what he says, and he benefits from it. You know, like uh, you know, I've got I've got friends at work for his company and by all accounts he's you know and I met him and he's like a you know very interesting person but he benefits right he benefits from it because he has a massive Instagram following massive LinkedIn following massive Twitter he's an investor in Facebook and like Snap and all this sort of stuff so he benefits from it Mm. and I'm not saying that's why he's given that advice but he benefits from it but it's not right though it's not healthy is it it's like it is replacing human connection it's and and it's also you know, it's really starting to twist what kids think is normal. Yeah. I, again, listen, I think there's a big gray area here and I do think there's levels. There's levels. I think kids use it way, way, way better than us uh, already. Particularly kids who've had a part of their life ever since they were born. They've kind of adapted and integrated to it, right? So if there's any lessons to be had, it's, I mean, listen, if you go on Facebook, 
Yeah. It's way, way, way more toxic than any other one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Why is it more toxic? Yeah, gen- than the generation that uses it. Yeah, exactly. Because it's older people on yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they don't use it as well. Uh, so there's, there's a conversation to be had around that. Um, there's another conversation around when I was a kid, they used to say, um, all kids want to do now is sit in front of the TV. They used to go out, right? They, all they want to do is sit in front of the TV. Now there's a generation that says, everyone sits on their own device. Nobody sits around and watches the same thing on TV anymore. So, so there is a shift there, right? So there is something to acknowledge there. All of that said, I do agree with you. And yeah. I think there's there's age-appropriate stuff here. Um, I was listening to my, my, my hero, Gabor Mate, the other day. And he was saying he wouldn't give devices to children uh, until they were 13, 14, 15, last year at school. He wouldn't even let them do any work on it at school. Uh, and this is a first. I disagree with him. Yeah, I don't I agree disagree with, with him. Yeah. Um, so, so there is a level, I, I certainly don't think you should be having them at the table and they are highly addictive and they're highly attractive. Um, and there's age limits, isn't there? There's age limits on things. Um, d- gambling. D- yeah. I mean, the thing, I, I, I'm less bothered about the amount of time on it. I'm less bothered also even about the fact that it's almost replacing uh, you know, in interaction at the dinner table, although I would, you know, love less of it and more interaction. And, you know, like we don't, we don't have it at our dinner table, but like he was giving an example of parents. You're never at the dinner at table because you're always yeah, working. I'm always working. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but, but, but I think what I don't, I, I don't like, and I don't know it's kind of fixable is, is, is the content that they're consuming. So that's what you said. It's age related. So it's, you know, it's just what are they, you know, what are they being exposed to? Because that is where I'm less trusting of it. Because it's not just, it's not just organic. Hey, this is good. So that that's, you know, things blow up because of algorithms, and then it starts feeding a particular style of content because we know because it, it happens to us. So if it's happening to us, it's happening to kids. So that's the thing I'm I'm mainly concerned about is. Um, What's the impact of current culture and it's therefore its influence on social media, therefore its influence on what our kids are consuming. And that's the thing. I don't really care so much about as much as, uh, uh, you know, is, you know, how they're using it. Although there are kind of, you know, there are studies to say that, you know, you know, kids eyesight is being impacted because they're not really looking into the distance anymore because they're always like down here looking at devices. So actually Mm. one of the things that, um, apparently you're supposed to do is just keep getting them to just look at things in the distance. So they, so they are kind of, you know, developing both sets of, you know, long and short vision. It's crazy, isn't it? Wow. Yeah. And listen, there's a definite worry, but it's something that we have to adapt to, right? It's something that we do need to like find ways to evolve as humans. And I think that one of the big problems is, is that it's happening so quickly. We're not keeping up with it, are we? In terms of, the way that we evolve with it and integrate it into schools and all of that kind of stuff. Because, listen, we've just had a year of going through this pandemic when it's been absolutely essential to make sure that every child has a has a device. Mm. A year ago, we'd have been like, you know, keep them off the devices. Whereas now it's been like, get them on the device every day. 
you know yeah. what I mean? So there's yeah. like, I think there's a there, there, there's a lot there's a lot to be said for that, and I and I don't like like you say the way that they can be manipulated in terms of particularly being fed the message because you know advertising as a whole is to get the message across to you that you you know you, you you're not good enough unless you have this, and yeah. now when it can be so targeted, they can literally literally find out what you don't like about yourself based on your searches and all of that and then feed you the content that's going to further compound that feeling about yourself and that's uh that is a worry yeah oh it's quite depressing when you when you think about it no i think it's just what it is and you know it's it's like hopefully at some point there's there's you know there's an opportunity to kind of bring democracy back into play like this is going in a bit of a tangent but you know you know there is a big argument for big tech removing democracy right because it influences how people vote if you just see what happened in the us if you look at what happens in um in, you know in certain kind of uh in, in countries where dictatorships are ruling like it, it basically takes away democracy by feeding people a particular narrative and you could argue that that's always happened with like news channels and things like that but it's become way more insidious and way more um, strategic and sophisticated so Mm. why i think it's important not to kind of feel like oh this is something we can't get out of you've just got to understand what we're facing and then start to think about doing something that's what i'm sort of what i'm taking from this is what you know what possibilities are there to do a different thing right so as you know it's not about i don't think you can prevent a kid from accessing you know a mobile phone or a laptop you know you can't they can't start using that at 15 because they will the mm. people will leave them and so just by that alone they will lose their peer set and that's a big conscious decision that people are always having to play around is when do I first give my kid a phone because if their friends are getting it you don't you know and things are happening around them that 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 starts to impact their mental health in itself right and so I don't think you can prevent it. I think it's about integration. It's about what else you can bring into the conversation, how they can, I think what needs to happen is, you know, where in the past innocence was, see, because our, our age of innocence has reduced, right? Oh, so, yeah. You know what I'm saying, right? So like when we yeah, were, yeah. when we when we were, when we were young, we were probably just out kicking football still and then TV and, you know, as, as we've got older, I appreciate I'm a few years older than you, but our age of innocence was probably a lot higher than it is for kids now, you know, like, and so we have to help them, therefore, in being able to uh, rationalise and decision make in a different way mm. than we, than we, what we used to have to do. Yeah, and one of them, there's a massive conversation around that, by the way. I watched a documentary on this, like, probably a couple of years ago now, but it was on uh, porn, right? Right. And the way that the the age in which young people now are exposed to a massive range of of porn, right? And they were talking to the uh, someone who was like either the edge, something to do with the education in the UK or something. And this, it was a woman from like a Scandinavian country where they're a lot more open in the way that they talk about sex and stuff like that, right? And she was talking to this like absolute proper like upper middle class white man and she was like saying like uh you need to introduce sex education properly earlier because they're all watching porn and unless you like and he was going listen most 
boys by the age of 13. They're not, they haven't seen porn yet. And she was like, I bet you it's about 95% at 13. I'll bet you it's higher than that. Hmm. I bet you they're seeing it at a, like a much younger age. When I was a kid, yeah, it was like the magazines on the top shelf <laughs> and you used to see like, uh, like dirty old ones in the bush. That was that was like that was when you first saw it as a kid, yeah. right? I know it's a bit of an awkward conversation, but now I bet you like eight nine years old, eight nine year old boys and probably girls, but boys seeing porn, yeah. And on that anyway, on that documentary, it's going right off on a tangent. But that woman went in a classroom and she put the Eng- the English teacher, not the teacher of English, but the teacher who was English, mm. outside. She said, "You're not coming in," right? And then. She was asking the boys and the like, the boys and the girls about like sex and what is sex and how do you have it, and she was saying t- t- you can use any language you want, and the things that these boys were saying, because the only exposure they had had to sex was through watching porn, yeah, and she did all this like it was really controversial stuff. So she was uh, she put loads of pictures of uh, vaginas on the wall. Some like shaved ones, trimmed ones, untrimmed, da da da. And she was like, what should they look like? And of course, all the boys, because they watch porn, were just pointing to like the bold ones. And then she said to all these 13, 14 year old lads, your homework, yeah, for the next two weeks is to keep your pubic hair trimmed completely bold. Because I want you to see what it's like and how hard it is to do that, right? And keep it like that. And there was all like uproar and all like, they were like asking like the boy, like how, how do you finish sex? And this 13 year old lad, and she said, you can say what you want. And he was like, why well, jizz on her face? Right. And she was like, you want to jizz on it? Because, but, but I, and I know this is crazy what I'm saying here. Right. But there's a real conversation to be had here at, at, at the way in which young people are exposed to that stuff. And we can close what we do as adults because even as I'm saying it, we both feel a bit, oh, God, this is an awkward conversation, isn't it? Yeah. And so what we do as adults is we shut our minds off to it and go, oh, they're all right. They'll be all right. But the truth is, is they're, they're getting their ideas about what sex... And what does that mean for, for young girls, by the way? But also, it it is... No, so, yes, it is awkward. And it's the first time I think we've uh, treaded into the era, area of pornography on this... Uh, yeah, on this podcast. <laughs> hey, have but, the conversations people don't have, mate. No, exactly, mate. But listen, the thing is, it's not just about it. Not only is it about what they're exposed to and, you know, um, their perspectives, which is completely false, really. But then it's also, if you're at that age, at that young age, and she proved what, uh, you know, what she felt and believed around what, what they'd seen. And if she proved the... English teacher wrong right so that their level of exposure is is much earlier than he would say um it is not just isolated to how they view uh women in that moment it starts to inform how they view women in general so it perpetuates the the power hold and the misogyny and the uh, views that they have around women and how they should look and all that sort of stuff and it's really unhealthy. And then mm. for maybe for, you know, and it's boys and girls. I'm not going to say, you know, I'm not going to, but I think it's probably yeah. more the way that boys view women. Um, but also it uh, it kind of gives an unrealistic pr- projection to how young girls need to behave and be. So mm. 
they start again. So that's that whole thing about the age of innocence. It's kind of eradicated. It's really sad, isn't it? In a way that yeah, that's what I mean. Kind of yeah. So yeah, it's um, yeah, it's pretty brutal, man. It is brutal, yeah. And I can't believe that it's uh, a route that we've gone down, mate. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wasn't intended. That shows you, by the way, how unplanned our podcast is. Yeah. I, yeah, I definitely didn't wake up on uh, Tuesday the 23rd thinking that we would be talking about... I mean, you were quite literal. <laughs> you were quite, I'm not going to say it again, but you were quite literal. That's pretty good. I think we're going to have to click. Gonna... We're going to have to click the explicit box when I when we upload the uh, <laughs> podcast today. I thought for a second, by the way, you were going to say I certainly didn't wake up on Wednesday morning and think about porn. I thought yeah. he's lying now. Uh, <laughs> I'm one of the two percent that doesn't. Yeah, mate. Before we come up to the reasons to be cheerful, which we're going to in a minute, we 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 cannot. Uh, are you anywhere? Have you got to be anywhere at three? By the way, no, I'm okay. No, I'm good. Okay, good. Uh, we can't we can't do today without talking about the roadmap. The roadmap to freedom that was announced yesterday. How do you feel about it, first you're, you're really loving the fact that you don't have a fixed um, mic, right? So you for, for effect, I don't think I'm going to replace. I don't think I'm going to replace the clip. I think I like it too much like this. It's when when um, you want to have a dramatic moment, you pull it closer to your mouth to really. <laughs> you'll you'll hear back on the podcast when you used it um <laughs> today it's quite funny um yeah the i mean i'm excited for, for the first time in a little while i love the idea of mid june just being free again i really i mean that i mean just to give you a spoiler that's my reason to be cheerful like i am all oh, right have you uh, have you seen that uh on the twenty, it's the twenty first that we reckon he reckons that all the restrictions will be lifted. Have you seen we've got a, a Euros game on the twenty second? No, really. Uh, yeah, at Wembley against Czech Republic or something. <sighs> ding, ding, it's coming home. It's coming. <laughs> I can be. see us all back together and oh. stuff like that. Like, uh, I, 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 listen, I've got to say this. I thought, I, I, I. Uh, I liked a lot of what Boris Johnson said yesterday, last night. No, I don't believe it. The, 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 the last year and a half has blown politics to pieces. I actually feel like there's a real opportunity here. Because, by the way, after I thought it was incredible that this morning, the Tories decided to send out Matt Hancock to tell us that I mean, this is all dependent on whether we stick to the rules. Matt Hancock telling us that it's dependent that we all stick to the rules. I, I, I was flabbergasted and nobody picks up on it. And, and do you know what Matt Hancock has said about um, breaking the law? What? He's admitted, yes, I did break the law. And if I could go back, I'd break the law again because it was in the benefit of the country. Wow. And the, the thing is, he knows he's acting with impunity. So he knows that nothing's going to happen. Um there's no, you know, when the leader of the opposition, opposition, right? So the 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 title of Labour, who is holding the opposition, is to be in opposition to the government, which is to hold them to account. Has basically said, yeah, I don't think he should be. I don't think he should resign. Now I can't believe it. Now he's a Tory. Well, I mean, the, I just think uh, he's not playing his role. Like there's something going on where he's he's trying to play some sort of middle ground or whatever. I don't understand what's going on. I reckon on. Matt Hancock's got shit on him. 
Maybe, maybe. But there's a lot of projections going on there. But listen, right? The the point is, even if you're uncomfortable calling for someone to resign, you've got to be stronger than that. You've got to say that there needs to be an independent inquiry starting today with somebody high profile. There has to be a report and the repercussions of which if somebody is found guilty to have broken the law is either prosecution or if they're still in power being fired and that's different from resigning by the way like resigning is getting out of scot-free if someone broke the law and enable one of their friends to be benefited they should be fired but like we we allow people to just walk away quietly so that they can get a job in the private sector it's total imagine a work imagine a working class man broke the law um oh come on or woman a working class person broke the law Right, but it was it was in the in the name of the country, and it was to benefit the country. Would he? Would would everyone be? I can't believe I cannot believe that he's been allowed to get away with saying that. I just realised that actually we started this segment by saying you thought what what Boris Johnson was saying was was really good. So we've managed yeah, to stuff, Boris. He's done well. He's done well. Bless him. Let's go on to Matt Hancock. <laughs> that prick. Uh, no. But, uh, by the way, what uh, what I what I uh, liked about Boris, what he said, I thought he had a. I thought some of the. What do you think about the fact that he said? Um, I reckon he listens to 115 miles. Do you reckon? I do, mate. Yeah, because um, because he said he, he he talked about having a bit more of a serious conversation, a real conversation about death again, and about how um, people are going to die, and there's a certain amount of risk. Uh, and we have to kind of accept that, that pe- this is going to kill people. I was saying that in episode 14, bruv. It might have been 13 if I was going on your <laughs> idea of what episode it was. You and your numbers. But um, I was saying that ages ago, mate. So, Boris, if you're listening. Get a haircut. <laughs> he's not allowed till the 21st oh, of right. April. that's right, yeah. I bet he's having black market haircuts. He, he don't look be- like it. No, maybe not. Maybe not. Um, but I, listen, you know, uh, I think it it feels to me like it's just it's lifted people, right? And I, it's not, you know, it's a coincidence that the sun's out as well. But like, I just feel like people are oh, we're, like, there's something to look forward to. Yeah, I, I so hope that it happens in the way that they've set out as well. I really, I really do. And if it does, you know, come July, that'll be it. It'll all be left behind. I don't know. I mean, it'll be really interesting to see what... I do think you're right, like, that people will start to get back to normality quicker than maybe we are thinking right now, you know, that... Mm. Um, but it all, it all, you know, it's just whether it it's just a summer thing or whether, you know, whether kind of the, 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 the winter months, it, you know, what happens to the virus or, you know, whether we're all protected enough at that stage. But right now I'll take it. I'll take it June 21st. Yeah, yeah me too. And I think there's reasons, uh, there's reasons to be cheerful. Uh, but look, my reasons to be cheerful was going to be the Euros and, uh, and the fact that there's going to be crowds, potentially capacity crowds, for the Euros, I can't believe I can't see. It's really hard, isn't it, to even think that that's going to be possible? But you know, a yeah. capacity crowd at Wembley—that's just crazy and so needed. Get, sign me up. Get me tickets. 
Yeah. Um, that's it. I got holiday booked in June. That was moved back from last year. That we just moved to this year. So there's potential for that. June could I was be a, looking at holidays a mega month in August for you. as well. Hey, June could be a mega month for you. Bit of Euros, holiday, avocado on Mate. toast, <laughs> flat white. <laughs> Mate, the dream will be lived. <laughs> Mate, I've I've really really enjoyed this episode today. Mate, we have talked about lots of things today, um, <laughs> uh, but it's good. I think you know, just to say that we haven't really we've we've talked about kids, you know, um, through maybe often, usually me, my kids, you, your kids, or whatever. But actually, um, but we are often orbit around, you know, the the impact on adults. But I think there's something that was really important that we that we dove into today which was around kind of the impact of current culture social media on kids and like you said you know the the whole reason we started this thing was to have conversations that um people find difficult to have which is definitely what we did today yeah (laughs) and listen it's kind of nice actually that we went down that route because i tell you one thing after the 21st of june we have got to invest in our children yeah and I, I don't mean me and you. I mean us as a society, as a nation. We we have you know that we need to make sure that we remember how much we've sacrificed them because that's what we've done. I mean, as brutal as that sounds, we sacrificed our children uh, to get through the last. Well, it would have been eighteen months by the end of it, or whatever it is. Yeah. Mm. So we got to invest in them, and we got to do whatever it takes to make to make it up to them. We really have. I do believe that, and I hope that we do. Yeah. Well, you know, it's up to us to continue to do what we can yeah. right to, to and it drive starts with better sex education lessons definitely <laughs> and your homework josh is to uh trim your pubic hairs for the next two weeks and uh, <laughs> 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 oh. <sighs> that'll be a whole other conversation next week or in two weeks time has this is uh this has been uh one of my favorite episodes i think uh i don't know about you <laughs> it's been interesting <laughs> did you but just very quickly let me i want to finish on this did you have a title for your um for your uh reasons to be cheerful i didn't actually just <laughs> the uh languishing lockdown <laughs> no i didn't sorry <laughs> ladies and gentlemen this has been 115 mile Thanks again for listening to 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kai.